Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 15th, 2015. I'll bet many of you today are getting a bit happier that some of the snow around you is dissipating in some regions. Where I am here, it's been a few days interspersed, at least a few days, with partial melts and uh, just above the freezing mark. But unfortunately, you've got months and months of accumulated snow with all of its accumulated geoengineering material from the chem sprays that go on. And that will evaporate into the air. Uh, very concentrated stuff. And everyone's got coughs and hacks and odd sneezes or bronchial problems. And it's not bacterial or viral caused, as far as we can tell, although that can set in, certainly. Afterwards, if, it's, if your linings, your lungs, or your trachea get raw. Uh, but at the moment, it seems to be basically just the irritation on the linings from all the packed, condensed alchemist brew uh, that's sitting there uh, called snow today. But that's how it goes, isn't it? The new normal. Everything's a new normal, you see. Unfortunately, most folk adapt to it and think, well, it can't really be happening because they would tell us, you know, the media would tell us. They think the media is there to do their thinking and reasoning for them because they've been trained to do so, just like Brzezinski said uh, in the 1970s in his book Between Two Ages. Before that, folk used to be kind of paranoid and suspicious about media, knowing they were owned by big corporations, of course, big media moguls that were part of the establishment, and they work hand-in-glove with government agencies and so on to make sure we learn and believe the proper things to learn and believe uh, that are authorized by your own masters. Uh, You find today there's no real opinion pieces anymore, no true opinion pieces, I should say, by journalists, etc., because all the laws have been changed too. We forget the Levinson Inquiry and the laws that came out of that for journalists in Britain, the same across Australia and different places. Canada will be no different, of course. And uh, everything's a security matter today, you see, national security. And so they can't tell you anything. But unfortunately, so many of them, the journalists are quite happy to take their big paychecks and write or just write and rewrite handouts given to them by the proper authorities. Now, many years I've been talking either on radio or or doing blurbs or both, and I've gone through the techniques used on conditioning you all along this gradual path. It's gradualism, you see. You're you're updated with uh, the PC stuff, all the politically correct stuff of the particular week or year you're living in today. And most folk adapt into it thinking it's all quite normal. They've been trained to think it's all normal. And many folk freak out who haven't been conditioned and who think it's rather tragic what's been going on without their permission and done things that are done to the people themselves. And yet the people, the bulk of the population don't seem to care. And they can't care because they're trained to think it's all natural somehow and superior people are managing our lives for us. What do we know? We're at the bottom, and, uh, and they've adapted and accepted their updates without question. And to them, uh, they don't see what the fuss is if you 
bring facts and data to them. They don't want to hear it. They, they really can't understand what the fuss is about. They kind of look up upon you as though you're kind of a curio. And why are you upset about it? They've all accepted all, everything that's going on. And, uh, and, and that's really how it is. So don't tear your hair out if you can't get through to people because it's going to get harder and harder to find people who will listen. I've always said that the ones who receive information are the ones who have been open and looking for it maybe their whole lives. Uh, not, not a desperate, frantic search perhaps, but they've been looking for the reasons. They just know things are wrong. Intuition. Things are just not matching up with what we're told. And when you give them information, they're, they're happy recipients generally to, to know why things are the way they are. And that's what I go about doing, really, is simply informing those that want to have to be informed. And to stop folk, too, from starting to drink lots of alcohol or, or take lots of drugs to escape the torment inside their own minds, because especially the youth who are very... When you're, when you're a young person, you have a tremendous ego, but, and you don't want to be told what to do or what to think. But at the same time, the few that really think and know something's wrong can turn against themselves to try to shut their brains down to an extent when things don't match up and they can't get the answers to what's really going on around them and why things are simply the way they are and all things for that matter. Therefore, you can avoid them a lot of pain and agony and self-destruction at times by Here's the information. This is why things are the way they are. And it also helps them um, go on from there. It doesn't give them all the answers as to what you do about it, but at least they don't have to blame themselves why they can't really fit in to a happy bliss. This happy bliss is promoted everywhere you look. Always look on the bright side of things. Uh, be optimistic about everything uh, for your gross well-being, etc., uh, uh, don't look at the negative things, which can make you unhappy. And that, that's what they're taught. That's, the whole society's been trained in this, actually, deliberately so. Uh, but they don't know it themselves. And therefore, they seek that those things which make them happy, even if it's just watching hours and hours of videos, anything at all that keeps their mind off reality. Uh, our, our television, for instance, that is, is, of course, the biggest tool, has been for a long time. And uh, in fact, some top producers, I think even Spielberg said that TV was the greatest, or, or the film, the film media was the greatest weapon ever invented. Because it can really change your mind about things uh, through uh, the motive content and the way it's put across during the actual movie, the fantasy. And they can make black, white, white, black. They can change any mood the opposite way around. Uh, instead of saying, you see, the technique, the technique is don't look at things this way. Why don't you look at, upon this thing from this perspective, which is a form of escapism, you see? And it can also make right wrong and wrong right by doing what they want you to do. And your mind can get warped in many directions and accept things you should never accept through emotive Scenes and uh, carefully, carefully produced and, and written and so on into the scripts for movies, etc. 
I remember many years ago when a now deceased preacher, an old preacher, said that Lucifer or Satan, which are really two different things, but they're brought into the same context for, for Christians, you, you find that he said he said it couldn't take over the world without the computer. The computer was an essential element for global domination. And when you look at all the articles about your lack of security, getting less security, you're going to get less security, and so on, and no privacy whatsoever, no personal security, no privacy, uh, then you, you can't argue with that statement where the state becomes God when all the other gods are kicked out of the way by science. And the state itself, politics, are really technocrats that run the whole system because that's how it really is run. The, the politicians come and go. They're their front people to keep you voting and keep you arguing amongst yourselves of who to vote for next because you're so sick of the ones you voted in. And the technocrats themselves and the bureaucracies know their agendas. They have their own departments that, that have teams that go abroad into other bureaucratic departments. They bypass all the other levels of government and they meet their equivalents in other countries and the United Nations and help drive this whole agenda. And it's been going on all this way since the beginning of the United Nations, for those who don't know that. And even before the United Nations, the League of Nations had the same technique put in place for the technocrats and the, and the bureaucrats to, to send teams to each other's countries to work together towards this common global agenda. Now, behind many good agendas, because many, many people after World War I and after World War II, normal, ordinary people were so sick of war, constant wars, one after the other, all through the last centuries and so on, they were so sick of it all uh, that they welcomed something that they were taught. They were taught, of course, wrongly, that this would bring peace, world peace. And even the war colleges today still teach uh, that for for really their ultimate goal for the military is to bring in a peaceful world, a global system, a peaceful, a peaceful world, meaning you couldn't have countries or, or national governments anymore in the long run. And they've been working towards that for a long, long time. So it's always what was given as a good reason, because wars today are so expensive. Uh, once again, it's amazing how Britain, for instance, keeps telling you that they've just finished paying off the debt for World War One. I. I read an article a few years back on the air when they first declared that back in the late 90s, I think it was, and now they've released again uh, the same statement saying they've just paid it now. So they've recycled a bit of news or else they had a bit of more interest to pay because it's all compound interest. But they're still paying off the debt for World War Two, the Korean War, and all the other wars ongoing since. So wars today are awfully, awfully expensive. When you see the price of one aircraft, for instance, a high-tech aircraft, and then all the the backup services and systems, and then your all all your spying gear and NSA and so on, it's just so incredibly uh, it will bankrupt in the long run. That the leaders of the world, those who run the world and own the world, technically, are not stupid people. They have different systems to come in, 
each one with a phase. Each is a phase, a system is a phase to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. So they know, they know where they're taking us all, you see, and where they want to take us all. They're not stupid, never think they're stupid. And they have lots and lots and lots of think tanks working on every possible outcome, every possible thing that could go wrong and how to avoid it. They have them working all the time on every social aspect as well. So nothing has been left to chance, you see. Although it's always presented to you, like the last bank crash is something that was unforeseen, and it was just a bunch of greedy guys that did it and so on, where in effect they knew this was coming for about 20-odd years. They planned it that way. They allowed uh, the thieving to go on right to the end with overinflated prices and so on. And... And, of course, they knew that the government would, governments would bail us out. That was the idea at the time. Because, remember, too, they want to bring you into a new system of austerity and vast, quiet, a quick, a rather quick population reduction. And it's speeding up all the time, the population reduction, not just through abortion, but through uh, fewer people being born and, and also disease, too, which is creeping back big time because we're being exposed to so many things, uh, often under the guise of doing good. So we have many things working against us as people, but never ever think that anything that happens on any large scale is some surprise, because that's how it's presented to you. Most folks still think that the whole war in the Middle East started with 9-11, and it did not. We forget it was like there was the Gulf War One before that, and we forget all the other incursions into the entire Middle Eastern countries over the last more than a hundred years by the West to do with oil production, etc. Uh, and the geopolitics involved of setting up the regimes in various countries which the West wanted to be set up to work on their behalf for the oil industries, etc. So there's many, many factors involved. And then the planning for uh, the second invasion of of Iraq and the invasion of Afghanistan took years in the planning and the project for a new American century, uh, which was the group that put uh, put the Bush regime in, Bush Jr.'s regime in, uh, published the countries they wanted taken out back then in the 90s, in fact. So never think something's a big surprise on it that ever breaks out in the general population across the world. It doesn't happen that way. Everything takes years and years in the planning. Don't forget that. Now, the media, as I've mentioned, is meant to keep you living in, in a, an in-between land, basically. And they do a good job at it, too. For instance... Even look at the names of some newspapers and so on. Financial Post. Okay, they know about finances, but I'll never mention the con of all finances and the racket of money itself and the way it's all set up. But this article says why Canadians should stop stressing about an economy that is stuck in second gear. Now it's March the 10th, 2015. And it says, get ready for Canada's new normal. It's a, it's a phrase I coined a long time, a years ago. Economy, new normal economy, one categorized by a long period of weak post-recession growth and slower pace of job creation. So there's your, there's your conclusion at the, at the, given at the beginning. That's standard now. 
Many forecasters, both private and institutional, have been downgrading expectations for the Canadian economy, which, like many major industrialised countries, is still struggling to shake off the lingering impact of the 2008-9 recession and, to a lesser degree, the financial crisis that preceded it. Now, you could tear that to pieces, actually, because... And there's another reason for it all too, but you can take you can shred this to, to pieces. This the, many forecasters, both private and institutional, have been downgrading expectations for the Canadian economy. So, so they're, they're saying that, like many industrialized countries, we're not industrialized countries now. The whole idea of NAFTA and GATT, which allowed all your big factories to get put over to China, which makes pretty well. They're the manufacturer for the whole planet today Was planned a long, long time ago And those who planned it all Intended to de-industrialize The so-called industrial nations It's happened, folks They still call us industrialized nations Even though all your factories are gone Maybe a few left, small things, but uh, and a few car ones, perhaps everything else is gone. So they, they try to say that it's still struggling to shake off the lingering impact of the two thousand eight to nine recession, and to a lesser degree the financial crisis that preceded it. So you, you take that whole thing in context, and so they're saying it's all to do with the two thousand eight to nine recession, and it's not. When they were shipping all the factories over to China, and at the time too, the Mexican corridor, that was another one they were setting them off to, the factories were disappearing like crazy across Canada. In the 90s, not 2008 to 9. And so the job, uh, the joblessness was going up, up, up. And folk were having to, to literally queue up to get jobs at McDonald's. So it says, in fact, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, this is, again, an agency set up in every so-called developed nation by the International Monetary Fund through the United Nations. And every government in the Western world has a department for economic cooperation and development where they take your tax money, they decide where it's going to go, through the World Bank and the IMF, and your country then borrows money, puts you down as a guarantor as to pay off the debt, this debt, this borrowing money, that's going to be given to some third world country. But it's not just handed to a third world country for them to deal with as they want to. It's to go into building factories in those countries, in industry, using your tax money back home. And what they do through it and with it is to loan it again to that country, even though the guarantors in the, the domestic country, like Canada, is already a guarantor if the loan falls through, which it always does. It's meant to. And they give it to big international corporations to set up in those third world countries where they can get cheap labor. And again... Once they default on their loans, then the banks, the private lenders that the country's borrowed from, like Canada or the U.S., 
has to pay off that, that rescind the loan to the third world country, and the put down the guarantors is now you have to start paying through your taxes. For big private corporations to have brand new factories in third world countries with cheap labour. And this rack has been going on, I think, since the end of World War II. Anyway, the OECD's reading with 100 as a long-term average put Canada at 99.9 in January, down from 100 the previous months, uh, while the, the United States was unchanged at 100.2. So they're off giving you percentages, etc., which really mean nothing to the average person. Now, the whole system supposedly, as they tell you, is based on the premise that there's always going to be job growth and, and industry growth. Well, the industry is gone, as I say. And in a, in a service economy, which Canada now is, and the US to a great extent now as well, and most of the European countries, they're designed to go into a service economy after deindustrialization. They buy all the things in through different middlemen, and eventually it's passed down to uh, stores and then the consumer who will take their cuts. And that doesn't bring generate the kind of uh, taxation, even though it's passing through all those hands, uh, that the actual initial manufacturing of goods would have, you see, from the, the raw ore into the, the processed material that then goes to the factory to be used like steel or whatever else. It doesn't have that. So it's a temporary thing until they bring in the next system, you understand, which is austerity. And you can't have job growth and, and gross domestic product growth every year. It's impossible in a system, as, as they'll tell you, this double think in economics, uh, because uh, you eventually have a glut of, in the markets, a glut of produce, and the, the people can't buy it because they're too broke to start with, or they're up to eyes in debt, or they simply don't need it, overproduction, you see. So you can't always have this upward curve into the what they call a healthy economy. Anyway, they give you the little graphs and the usual rubbish and uh, tell you how, that why, why, you know, the nonsense as to why things are the way they are. Now, this consumer confidence in Canada's outlook is also wavering along with the economy. In particular, consumers are having second thoughts about buying big-ticket items, according to the Conference Board of Canada's February survey, and many believe employment opportunities are fading. What do you mean believe? They are fading. It's not a belief system. The, the, the facts are the facts. The results showed Canadians deteriorating confidence about their current and future financial situations because the prices are going up, up, up with inflation, you see. But your wages are not. And it says their willingness to make a major purchase and about future job prospects in their region. But the new normal for the Canadian economy may not be new at all, according to a study by the Fraser Institute published Tuesday. In fact, Canadians have lived through different versions of normal after previous down they call it downturns now. And then recessions, round depressions, you know. It's like downsizing. It's not laying off. It's downsizing. It sounds. These are these are user friendly words. They're they're, they're hap, more more pro happy and proactive words as they call it. And other other new speak you see. And it's just the Vancouver based think tank says slow growth in recovery is not unprecedented and does not augur. That means weak growth will continue. 
There's reason to believe that pessimism about growth will prove to be an overreaction to the current environment. Well, they always give you this rubbish. And they're even comparing it, just as happened in the 1930s and 70s. They got out of the 1930s depression, because it lasted right into the World War II, and it was the World War that got us out of it, with massive borrowing and production of tanks and machineries and so on for the war. That's the fact, folks. That's the facts. In the 1970s and uh, the 60s and so on, the, the U.S. got out of it to an extent by the mass production of, of again, the military-industrial complex for the Vietnam War and all the other little wars had across Latin America. But anyway, says Canada is particularly well-positioned to take advantage. They always tell you how to take advantage of, you know, opportunities and disasters. Of an upturn in the U.S. economy since the last impact of the recession upon our financial sector, and labor markets has been much less pronounced than in the U.S. So what they've done is devalued the dollar in, the, in Canada to make it supposedly more appealing to foreign investors and so on. Uh, but, but the thing is, uh, the, the prices go up and up, up in, inside Canada faster and faster because the dollar's worth less. All this, there's nothing to do with, with market forces and supply and demand. It's to do with, with the market forces that run the market, uh, which uh, is not a little corner store. It's the big boys at the top of the whole system. And believe you me, the banking system, and I'm talking about the real banks, the big international lenders, control the entire system we live in, and the politics never knows. So this prattles on about all the different statistics and all the rest of it, but they're trying to tell you that this is all quite normal, quite, quite normal as you go down into poverty. Now, people have forgotten already about the program that came out of the United Nations called Austerity, uh, linked with Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century, and how they would have to change the consumer society completely, and life in general completely, for every individual who signed on to that agreement, and every country signed on to it. The different names for it, Millennium Project, and so on, so much so that when Agenda 21 got spoken about by guys like myself on radio, then the United Nations put up, a, a, for, for their own people, they put up a page telling them other terms to use so as the public wouldn't catch on. They didn't want to any, any blowback, you see. And Agenda 21 has been being implemented gradually across, across the whole board of your countries for years, even in the school systems where they first indoctrinate the youth, who grew up thinking it's all quite natural, what they're told about saving water in places like Ontario, and where I am, for instance, that get monsoons. Now, we don't get rains, we get monsoons uh, often all summer, and we get, uh, I don't know how many, 20, 30, 40 feet of snow in the, in the winter, and sub-zero temperatures, etc. So, uh, but you to save water and things like that in places where you don't really have to. But that's, reality's got nothing to do. See, the facts don't count with agendas. Agendas are never done for the reasons they'll tell the, the general population. It's generally to your detriment. And austerity has to be brought in where you're post-consumer, as the United Nations calls it, and you're spending money for purchasing things and so on. Uh, as that article was saying here, folk are thinking twice about buying the different things. You're, you're, you're spending money for that. We're not going to, buying, to be buying things It'll go to bare essentials, 
taxes, permits, licensing, and uh, and the consumer, the, the goods you need for basic survival, food. Uh, your, your bills are going up with all your energy and so on uh, and everything and so on. So, so that's where all your money is to go in the future as you live in your new normal community areas. And for over 30 years now, in fact, you've had the propaganda push uh, from across the whole Western world and other countries too, like Australia and New Zealand, into community, your community, you're part of your community, uh, and communitarianism is is the message there. You're part of the community, and you're to be proactive in your community, and all these, these nonsensical terms. And pro-social, by the way, which is the opposite of anti-social, you see. If you like to keep yourself to yourself, and you like to, to have privacy, then you're antisocial. So if you're pro-social, you're wide open and everyone knows your business and you're involved as an active member in your community by simply agreeing to everything that goes along and comes down the pike from your community leaders. It's well underway, folks. And remember, you can look up the Agenda 21 yourself, the Agenda for the 21st Century, and you can see uh, all the masses of changes they have to implement and bring in until they get you off the road and all the rest of it too. And hence the eco-nonsense as well they're using about vehicles. All the, the techniques will be used that we can't drive anymore. In fact, you have to have no private vehicles in your sustainable communities uh, in the, the pretty near future. Essential vehicles only, it says. Well, anyway, uh, from the, so as I say, these financial breakdowns, according to the status quo, and the authorized system of the con of money and economics, the way it's run, uh, uh, doesn't give you any real truths on things. And then you go into this article here. It says, Canadian household debt burden hits record 163%. And it says, from the Globe and Mail in Canada, March 12th. And it says, Stats Canada reported that the ratio of household credit market debt, such as mortgages, loans, and credit cards, to disposable income, the key measure of consumers' debt burden, was a record 163.3% in the fourth quarter, up from 162.7% in the third quarter. The stats can said credit market debt grew 1.1% in the quarter, slower than the 1.5% reported in the previous quarter. But disposable income grew by only 0.5% in the quarter. So austerity is gradually coming in to work, you see. Your disposable income is going to more and more essentials. But they won't, they won't say that in the article, naturally. And it says the debt-to-disposable-income ratio is a key measure watched by many analysts, including the Bank of Canada, to gauge, or gouge, the, the, is gouge is the right word actually, to, 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 to gauge the country's consumer debt burden. The persistent, historically high level has been an ongoing concern for the central bank, which has long flagged it as a source of potential risk to their country, the country's economic and financial stability. And then they go into this. However, other measures of the debt burn look less onerous in the fourth quarter. The ratio of household credit market debt to the net worth held steady at 21.9%, near a six-year low as the national net worth rose 2.6% in the quarter to record $8.27 trillion. 
and it says it would be uh, premature to cite the deterioration in the financial position of Canadian households as evidenced by the above household debt metrics as cause for concern that the risk posed by household imbalances are intensifying, said the Royal Bank of Canada. Economist Laura Cooper, in her research note, the debt-to-income measure is not our preferred metric for examining the financial position of Canadian households. So more and more folk are going into debt, in other words. And no wonder, too, because, again, too, their dollar's worth less and less, and everything's going up and up and up. But they won't mention that here. So everything's manipulated according to a big agenda, for those who haven't quite grasped it yet. It's, a, it's an agenda. You, you see, forget all this stuff. It's an agenda. We are de-industrialized. You're importing everything into the country. And you're in a service economy. And your money's being devalued. And prices are going up and up and up. Of course, folk are borrowing more and more to, to even get by. And in these so-called recessions, this, this word recession, what do you mean, was a recess? What do you mean a recession? I mean, it's going to jump back into, into normalcy again? No, it's not. It's not meant to. And it can't, the way it's designed, you see. Your, your industry is gone, folks. It's a slow decline, and it's meant to be. And you're not going to go, go back to an era where of the 60s or 70s are long gone, where most folk had a, a very decent income, the, the, the dollar is worth a lot more in the US and Canada, uh, and the purchasing power, that is, real purchasing power, and, um, and had lots and lots of work. It's gone. But the idea, too, is to make you think it's the, it's the problem here it's not the, the government's debt, it's the household debt. You're pre- you, see, you're, the pro- you're always the problem, it's always you. Government never balances any budget. Government's never been out of debt since they basically privatized the Bank of Canada, for Canada that is. And it can't get out of debt in the present system. But they're not blaming government for constantly never having enough. They're blaming you, you see. It's your problem with your household debt, you see. And that, that again, always ties in with the agenda. You're the problem, just like the so-called um, man-made global warming. You, you're the problem with it all, even though we don't have the warming in most places across the globe. Just the opposite, in fact. But facts don't matter when you have a big agenda. And then we have, uh, again, uh, as I said earlier, the old preacher that said that Satan couldn't basically bring in his world dominion without the computer. This snoops on everyone and, and keeps everything tied together. And everyone runs on it. And all your government agencies run on it too. More, more so than you do, actually, because they need to see what you're all up to. But you get you, these articles constantly coming out, which, really, to me, in my mind, all they do is confirm what you already know, and it never tells you what to do about it, or what to complain about, or anything else. If you want to, most folk won't complain because they think it's all quite normal. And as long as you're good and don't stick your head up, and you're a good communitarian, and a good member of your community, meaning you talk about sports and TV and things like that, 
then it doesn't matter what they know about you and what you're doing because you're making sure that you don't say anything that says, I wonder why. And then a little red fly will go up when you, when you, when you email us. I wonder why this is happening. They don't, you don't, they don't want to be known that they might be a thinker. <gasps> but God wants, see there's a flag, this person's a thinker. Watch them. I'm not kidding about that. Orwell's 84 is, is well and truly here. Brave New World is here. From Huxley. It's here. But anyway, this article, Internet Carriers May Be Breaching Canadian Privacy Laws, the study looked at the information provided publicly by Internet Carriers in Canada about how they protect consumers' privacy and ranked them based on 10 criteria. The study looked at the information provided uh, and so on across the board. It says, is your Internet provider handing uh, your personal information to U.S. and Canadian authorities or companies without your knowledge? Of course they are. A new report looks at the stated privacy practices of 43 Canadian internet service providers and finds most of them tell very little about what they do with their information. Have, really, we've known for years through different laws have been passed and so on, they pass it all on. This is in fact, it appears that many Canadian internet carriers are in violation of their legal responsibilities under Canada Privacy Laws, says the report entitled Keeping Internet Users in the Know or in the Dark released today by Toronto Area Researchers. And I'll put that study up for you too, link to it, the PDF. So the study was conducted by information policy researchers Andrew Clement at the University of Toronto and Jonathan Obar at the University of Ontario Institute of Technology in collaboration with the Centre for Innovation, Law and Policy. And it says... It looks at the information provided publicly by the internet service providers in Canada about how they protect consumers' privacy and, and write on, the, on the, the, the 1 to 10 criteria, including whether they inform consumers when third parties request their personal information. Well, they don't. They tell consumers that the circumstances under which they agree to those requests and provide customers' information to third parties. So don't tell you that. They tell customers where their personal information is stored and processed. Well, they don't. They try to avoid routing customers' personal information outside Canada, where it could be intercepted by U.S. authorities. And they give you for examples and so on. It says, generally speaking, most carriers in Canada score quite poorly in terms of privacy transparency, an average of 2 out of 10 stars, which is fairly low, said Obar an assistant professor in the Faculty of Sciences and Humanities at the UOIT in an interview with CBC News. Among the retail ISPs that most Canadians buy their internet services from directly, the top scorer was Tech Savvy with six stars, followed by TELUS with five. Rogers and Bell had middling scores of four and three respectively, while Shaw and Videotron were at the bottom with two stars each. It says here that many smaller ISPs scored even lower. Akanak received zero stars, and Storm Internet got just half a star. It says, we hope that consumers will use the star table to determine which carriers are trustworthy. Well, since none of them are, are up to the 10 mark, how can you trust them to inform you at all? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't stop them from passing on the data when it is demanded from them. You see? 
And it says that um, the researchers hope that the report will push carriers to be more transparent. Well, good luck. And encourage the government to strengthen Canadian privacy laws. Well, it's Canadian government that's at the top of all of this open uh, grabbing of information. Uh, and, and the carriers themselves have to comply because it's a law. Whoever the government wants. They're all licensed by the government to exist. And therefore they can license and get pulled, you see. It says, ISP's lack of transparency about their privacy protection is a problem, Obara said, because it makes it very hard for Canadians to know who might be handing over their data to organizations such as the U.S. National Security Agency or Canadian government agencies and take steps to protect their privacy. What steps can you take when it's a law that they must hand stuff over? What steps can you take when they've already admitted that the agencies like the NSC are grabbing stuff out of the air and they're, they're, they're tapped into everything, regardless of even if the if the if the, the servers even know it or not. A recent poll commissioned by the, the Office of the Privacy Commissioner in Canada shows that Canadians are increasingly concerned about their privacy, especially how personal information about them ends up online might be used in government surveillance. Well, it's all used in government surveillance. I've given so many talks over the years where they, they've got personality profiles on all of us. And yet it's updated daily by your help. And putting stuff out, your texting and your 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 various um, stuff that you use on the internet and your cell phone and so on. It's all grabbed and used and added, you see. Remember that every any system that eventually goes into complete totalitarian system must know everything that every person is doing at all times to feel safe. The poll found most respondents are not comfortable with governments, departments and agencies requesting personal information from telecommunications companies without a warrant. Last year, the Interim Privacy Commissioner showed that nine telecommunication companies received over a million requests from government departments and agencies for data about their customers. However, the study found that no Korean carrier has publicly committed to inform customers of all third-party data requests. Well, we're, we're more advanced as a democracy. They don't have to tell us anything because most folk don't really request or care about it. Yeah, I, I have to tell the truth, you know. They're not involved in what's happening in their lives. They just accept that bigger minds or better minds are dealing with all the big problems in the world above themselves. And they're told to just work and play, you know. It's how it's done. And as I say, I'll put up the the links to the the whole reports tonight uh, on, on all of this. To show you, if you're really interested, if it matters, in fact, as to as to where it's all supposedly going, I also put up this article too, which is again blaming the consumer. Uh, and the title is "How the World Became Addicted to Debt." It's all your fault. It's not the government's fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. The dollar gets devalued, or the pound in Britain. It's, it's always your fault. You see, all that rubbish. 
but it says $27 trillion. That's the amount the global public debt has grown by uh, since the financial crisis gripped the world eight years ago, according to the McKinsey Global Institute. The map above shows the current state of government indebtedness across the globe. By and large, the story of the world's economy has been one in which emerging markets have loaded on debt because it's forced upon them as part of the deal by the first world countries. While the developed world has struggled to reduce the burdens it amassed in the wake of banking bailouts and years of stagnant economic growth. So the developed world, we don't say here, is you also have all the debts to pay off for those countries where you've forgiven the debt from the loans that you borrowed to give to them. And your taxpayer at home has to pay off. So government debt in G7 countries has grown by 40 percentage points to 12, 120% of GDP since 2007, according to the Bank of International Settlements, who help run the world. Privately owned organization, mind you, and along with the IMF, privately owned, uh, and the World Bank, set up by, again, a private organization who, who, whose membership is the, the, the who's who membership, basically, of, of anybody who's anybody at all. The Royal Institute for International Affairs, with its counterparts, or its, its cousins called the CFR for America, and other parts of the world, set up this system a long time ago to bring in this global system where their boys would make sure they could run the whole world, bypass all politics. In fact, they run politics. They put in the politicians to do their squabbling and their bidding. And, and they run the, the whole financial system's entire world. You see? That, that's it. But it's all your fault because there's, there's, there's all this debt here, you see. It's your fault. Another article tonight, too, is called Anti-Terror Bill Powers Are Excessive. Canada's Privacy Commissioner says, now, in, in British Commonwealth countries and in Britain, yeah, we have privacy commissioners. That's someone appointed to the task in every government, even in the provincial governments, too, I think there's one, and one for the federal government. And the privacy commissioner is supposed to warn the general population about something that's going to interfere with their privacy, and they're allowed to do that, but they, they can't, they have no say in what to do about it, and they, they have no force to, to pass anything themselves in law or even into bills in, in, in parliaments or governments. So it says, that terrorist bills, powers are excessive. Government side terrorism bill provides excessive powers to federal agencies to monitor and profile ordinary Canadians as part of the war on terror. So it's the national security, you see. The Privacy Commissioner is arguing, all Canadians, not only terror suspects, will be caught in this web. Well, we're all caught in it. It's not will be, we are. Daniel Terrian said in an open letter published in the Globe and Mail, this is Bill C-51 opens the door to collecting, analysing and potentially keeping forever the personal information of all Canadians in order to find the virtual needle in the haystack. This is to mind, my, my mind, it goes too far. That's not terrorists we're looking for, folks. You know. And it shows you the different intelligence service buildings in Ottawa and stuff like that, and etc. It tells me the legislation will give Canada's spy agency more power. As Stephen Harper says, the rights of Canadians would be, still be protected if the bill passes with it, but one of the other parties, the NDP, is sceptical, etc. The usual political nonsense. But says the government's hand-picked watchdog has put together a full critique 
of the legislation which he will release Friday morning and discuss in front of the committee that will start studying the legislation next week. While the potential to know virtually everything about everyone may well identify some new threats, the loss of privacy is clearly excessive, Mr. Tyrion said. He added that Canadians have an expectation of privacy when they provide information to the government and the legislation fails to strike an appropriate balance between safety and privacy. The end result is that national security agencies would potentially be aware of all interactions that all Canadians have with their government. Uh, That would include, for example, a person's tax information and details about a person's business and vacation travel, Mr. Terrian said. Bill C-51 would beef up the powers of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, criminalise the promotion of terrorism, and provide the RCMP with new powers of preventative arrest. That's like the Minority Report, preventative arrest. If they suspect, well, you might commit a crime down the road. But the Privacy Commission is decrying the fact that 14 of the 17 federal agencies that are receiving limitless powers under C-51 are not subject to independent oversight. This is the this is the ultimate wet dream of the Stasi that had in East Germany under communism. They could never have this kind of oh they'd lust for this kind of stuff. And here we are. We call ourselves democracies, and we say we're free. Double think. Yeah? I'll put this article up tonight as well because it's worth reading. Uh, but as I say, the Privacy Commissioner has no uh, ability to force protection for the public's benefit at all. So I really don't know why we have them. I mean, why do we have them? <laughs> huh? Now, I'll also put another link up tonight from Pan Am Post. And it says, Canada's terrifying anti-terror bill. And it says, Spooks need a tighter leash, not C-51's fresh powers, March 3rd. And it says, um, you know how truth is the the first casualty of war, as they say. But the latest phrase in Canada's war on terror targets a different victim, any sense of irony. This became apparent February 23rd when Prime Minister Stephen Harper's government backing a sweeping anti-terrorism bill to expand state surveillance powers and criminalized speech deemed to potentially advocate terrorism, closed down debate on the same bill after only three days of discussion. Bill C-51, drafted in response to two recent lone wolf attacks, including one that ended in a shootout in Ottawa, House of Commons, broadens the scope of the Canadian Security Intelligence Services, uh, including uh, allowing it to intercept private communications with closed-door judicial authorization. Such a strategy is already ongoing, albeit under a different agency on a more than dubious legal footing. Documents leaked by Edward Snowden on January 28th show that Canada's communication security establishment has already been monitoring the online downloads of millions of internet users. They've been doing it for years. This followed news, I mean, it really needs Snowden to tell us this. Uh, it says, this followed news in April 2014 that the authorities were effectively copying themselves into Canadians' emails and monitoring thousands of texts and phone calls without a warrant. How can they possibly say they're there to protect you when they're not protecting you because they themselves are showing massive invasion of privacy? Without privacy, you have no security. 
apparently emailing the, uh, emulating the United States by ramping up state powers and surveillance in his name of security is not enough. Canadian officials routinely hand over CSE data to their counterparts south of the border, and they've already agreed to share citizens' biographic data with the U.S. Border Patrol. Ontario police have even gone one step further in giving confidential medical information to U.S. officials, leading to Canadians being denied entry simply for having suffered a previous episode of mental illness. Such tag team abuses have long history. In 2003, U.S. officials intercepted and deported Canadian citizen Mahar Arar to Syria from JFK Airport, New York, where he was awaiting a connection flight back from a family vacation in Tunisia. Canadian intelligence saw him held and tortured for a year, only to be found completely innocent. Well, that doesn't mean, you know, the pros don't count, eh? Sad, isn't it? But we're all, we're, it's all here, folks. You know. When you have all this here, there's only one thing you can you really know for sure. It's going to get worse. I'm not kidding you. It's going to get a lot worse. And personally, I don't think you can change it. I don't think the, there's enough motivation in the public, again, who who have accepted the premise that if we're good, nobody's going to bother us, so I'll, I'll be good. I'll say all the right things to say. I'll accept my PC updates and new normals, and I'll, that'll be my new opinions and everything, the new normals. I'll be good. I'll be left alone. And it's working awfully well. That's, that was, I concluded that that happened a long, long time ago. And this article here from the BBC, MSPs debate super ID database plans. This is MPs have voted for full parliamentary scrutiny of plans to allow more than 100 public bodies to access personal data through an individual's National Health Service number. That's going to be used in, in Obamacare too. It's not Obama, of course, is behind it all. It was all set up long before, for it to get implemented long before he came along. It's just time you do it. You see, that you're running according to a big business plan and they have actually have the year stamped when they're introduced different things. It doesn't matter who's in power. The proposals would see organizations such as HMRC being able to see certain data on the NHS central register. Opponents said the move amount identity cards by the back door. It doesn't matter what cards you have, it's all ID and they're, and they're into everything. The Scottish government insisted privacy would be protected. Oh, good God. MSPs voted 65 to 60 in favour of a motion by Scottish Liberal Democrat leader Willie Rennie, as amended by the government. It was one of the closest votes in Holyrood for some time, it says, or Holyrood, they call it. Everyone born in Scotland registered with a GP, a general practitioner north of the border, has a unique citizen reference number held in the NHSCR. And um, <laughs> uh, why do people ever, ever believe any politician or bureaucrat who's a public relations spokesperson who's known how to bend, they're taught how to bend facts or, and rules and that to, to make it more citizen-friendly so you don't get upset when they tell you something. Why do you believe anything they tell you? Huh? When will we all grow up? Well, it won't happen, folks. Not all of us can grow up. Now, Article 2. It says, Snowden files inside 
We hope is Domes, March 8th, it says. And it says the Wahopi intelligence base looks oddly alien and out of place. Huge white golf ball radomes, like a moon station and silent buildings within two fences of razor wire, all dropped in the midst of vineyards in the dry hills in New Zealand's marble landscape. Now, I think I mentioned this years ago when Canada came out with, whenever, whenever they come out and tell you something that, that's going to, you're obviously going to see, uh, these big massive, uh, literally big huge, I don't know how many stories high they are, golf balls, uh, just sitting ominously there. They said it was for um, occasional radar use, which of course was the cover story. And um, they also said it would, be, and a lot of them were put, also put on areas where the government already had for weather collection data, where different instruments had been set up. But then they put big fences around the weather collection data places, very high security type things, and said no one is to be allowed on it because they were also they were also going to get photons coming in from outer space and they could detect them landing on the planet. So it had to be awfully sensitive. Any, any f- footsteps from, from the public going across that land was going to interfere with all their day. It had nothing, it had all, it had nothing to do with what they were telling. It was all to do with the NSA and the Five Eyes. And I mentioned that years ago. It just made perfect sense. And here it is out now. And across uh, New Zealand, Australia, and different places, and different places in Canada who have these big, massive golf balls, and have them in the States as well. So it says documents about Wahobie Station leaked by the U.S. National Security Agency, which was ever known, and show that the, faci- the facility is as alien as it seems. Everything inside the top secret station, except the staff, is foreign. This is an electronic eavesdropping system. The, gov- the computer programs automatically index and search the captured communications, and the databases where the details of a whole region's communications are stored. They're all standardized parts of global surveillance run systems run by the NSA. The Wahopi base functions as a, as a cog in the spying machine, the Lions' main eye in the South Pacific region. The Sunday Star Times analyzed the documents in collaboration with U.S. news website The Intercept, which obtained them from Snowden. The leaked files revealed in unprecedented detail the New Zealand-based station's targets, inner workings and links to the international network of spy facilities run by the Five Eyes, it says. And it says here, too, that uh, the Sunday Star Times analyzed the documents in collaboration with U.S. news website The Intercept and so on. And it says uh, they obtained them from Snowden. And it shows you the New Zealand-based station's targets, inner workings and links, etc. And on this article here, it says, read the files in full. And um, it's got all the different fancy names, James Bondish names for the different uh, things that, 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 uh, that are for, for the different areas which they look into, of course. All sounds very, oh, James Bondish, etc., etc. And it says, altogether, these bases can snoop on the entire world, friend as well as foe, and do all without any, right, never mind the privacy commissioners, and so, it does it without any permission at all. We've been doing it for years. The leaked documents don't talk about the wait, Wahopi. They use a station secret five eyes code named Iron Sand, IS. It's not clear why Wahopi is Iron Sand. And it shows you the five eyes spy bases around the world. 
and um, this is the five main countries involved. And this is the NSA map shows it is of a global network of oddly named satellite intercept stations, and the stations are the eyes of the Five Eyes Alliance. Uh, Australia has a base near Geraldton or Geraldton, a small port city on the west coast of Australia, and its code name is Stellar. And it gives in all the different code names and all the rest of it, which are all very oh, that's a Stellar base. Ooh. And um, they have one in, Britain has one in Kenya called Scapel. Oh, cuts into things, cuts through all the, st- the data and gets what grabs what they want. Britain also spies on satellites from Carboy. This is a station in Cornwall and a base from a base in Cyprus called Sounder. And it gives you the American equivalent bases too. Jackknife from Washington State on the Pacific Coast, Timberline, West Virginia, and Coraline in Puerto Rico in the Caribbean. The biggest of these is the Moonpenny base in Harrogate, Yorkshire, and so on and so on. Well, this stuff is... Uh, what do you expect? What do you expect where the system we're in Remember, according to the Club of Rome, a big think tank that works for the United Nations and for all the big boys, they were given the task of finding ways to change your whole way of living back in the 70s. They were given the task of finding how to take all the rights from the public and they hit, on, they, they hit upon it. They actually state it. So we hit upon the idea of global warming, famine, drought and the like. That, that would fit the bill, man-made global warming. That would fit the bill folks. Because you see, we have to go into a post-democratic world down the road. You might think it's democracy as long as you can vote local people in. And there'll all be strangers, of course, that you don't know anyway, because that's how it's always been. But uh, as long as you can vote, they'll still call it democratic to an extent. But the old idea of what democracy was is all, is all getting brushed under the carpet. And, then, and eventually one day it's swept out the house altogether. And as we accept the new normals. And people will adapt to the new normals all the time. You have no privacy whatsoever. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Because they must know everything about you every minute of the day. And they must know even what little organizations you belong to, even poetry clubs, everything. What kind of poetry do you read? Is it subversive poetry? Is it opera you're into? And some of the operatics, of course, uh, in the last few centuries were actually uh, for revolution purposes, for instance. You're not safe in anything at all. And you might like the actual songs themselves, not the content, or the reasons that they were put out. So really, there's no safe thing anywhere. And if you have your own opinions about things, well, you're definitely not safe at all. If you're a thinker, you're flagged already. They'll have every thinker flagged, folks. It's not a matter of being good. You know, in the Soviet system, I've mentioned how they would set people up, and the ordinary individuals up, ordinary citizens, working class, didn't make any difference, where you'd witness what would be one of the, the mandates of, of a crime under the, under the system, the labels of the crime. And for, for instance, just speaking out about the, 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 and calling the, the damn system that we're living under is nasty, that was a crime. 
That was anti-government, they called it. And you might agree with them and say nothing, but if you didn't report it, then you'd put off yourself to, to be tortured and questioned and to see why. Even if it was a setup to see who would report it and who wouldn't, and they'd put a lot of spies out to do that, just, just that very thing. Uh, no one can be safe in such a system. And the sad truth is, there's never, ever, ever in history the lack of the neighbors to tyrants. The people who carry the spears, today carry the guns and the weaponry and the, and the handcuffs. And everything. There's no lack of people who make it all happen as it gets worse and worse and worse. It's a sad comment on humanity, isn't it? Sad, sad comment. And everybody will say, as I've always said down through history, right up to the Nuremberg trial, we're just following orders. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. God, your God's go with you.